Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here continuing with our draft countdowns today. One of the ones we've all been waiting for, the Edge Countdown from 10 to 1. Joining me for this one is Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show again. I love coming on and I'm really excited to talk about this Edge class. It's, it's a fun class to talk about and it's a big need for the Ravens. So hopefully we'll get a lot of um, interesting takes here. Yeah, great 
great to have this edge class come up when the Ravens obviously have significant needs and chance for maybe a double dip for the Ravens. We're going to talk about the top 10. The Ravens will certainly have a chance at maybe uh, one, certainly one of the top 10 at, at pick number 14. But if they, even if they didn't draft one in the first round, they probably get a chance at one of the top 10 at number 45, although a lot of these edge guys will go in the first round. Uh, let's uh, start it off as we always do. We're going to count them down 10 to 1. Gabe, you're number 10 guy. So my 10 guy is Nick Bonito out of Oklahoma. Um, he's mostly kind of a 3-4 outside linebacker type. He's a little bit undersized. Um, you watch him play when he was at Oklahoma, and he looks small on the field. Like mm-hmm. I, I would say that legitimately. He's very fast, very explosive. Um, you put him in a three-point stance and have him in a wide position, he can really threaten the edge. Um, and I think... That is his immediate impact is, you know, a, a, you know, a part-time pass rusher who can come in and, you know, wreak some havoc in, in that role. But he's not going to do too much for, for you outside from that. Maybe a little bit tr- coverage. He's pretty athletic. But I think he's limited in that pass rush specialist role. So do you see him as a future Sam? That was one of the one of the pluses I had for him. Yes, I think he has that skill set. Um, very athletic, um, very fluid. I think like when he was asked to drop off in coverage, he was asked to spy the quarterback a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. The thing that concerns me about the Sam is he doesn't really have the bulk to be a very good run defender. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think he's missing some functional strength. Um, but if he can bulk up a little bit i think he added like 10 pounds for the combine he still ran like a four or five forty that's impressive if he could add five to ten more pounds maybe some like lower body mass to kind of be a little bit more stout against the run then i think you could really see him in that role okay uh benito's my number eight guy i like him a lot um uh, the only thing is the short arms are a problem and this will really hurt him in run defense in the nfl you you need to be able to lock out on that tackle particularly if you're going to turn him uh and manipulate him the way you want it's really a two-armed uh skill set it's very hard to do that you can rush the passer with one arm but you can you to, to defend the run well to hold that edge well you really need to play with two arms and and so longer arms are really essential for it uh, the 7043 cone is is a very good number for him as well. Your edge rushers, you really want to have good three cone numbers. You'll probably hear me harp on that a lot, along with arm length, which everybody I know is really thrilled with me about at offensive tackle for. Uh, he has good get off. I think that that matches what we see in the measurables in terms of, of, of that. I sometimes have a little bit of trouble gauging get off, particularly from a limited amount of film. And even if you watch a guy for an entire game, good game, bad game, there can be there can be some differences um, in that. If you look at highlights, you're always watching good get off plays. Um, you know, so you, so you can't. I don't think you can really learn very much from that at all. Um, he's an older guy. He'll be 23 in September, so he's not one of these young, uh, grow into his body edge rushers. And it really shows up. He's a polished pass rusher already. Um, that's a positive and a negative. Makes him a really good plug and play guy this year. I think he could help the Ravens at, at that. Well probably on the rush side or perhaps just as a third down pass rusher from just about anywhere. But, you know, a guy who could, like you said, could could probably help you more wide on third down or on obvious passing downs. Uh, Lots of things to like about his production in college, 16 sacks, 26 and a half tackles for loss just the last two seasons. Um, One thing I didn't like is I don't, for a guy who has a lot of polish to his pass rush game, he's not really a great clubber. I don't know if some of that might have to do with arm length. I don't really think so, but he just doesn't really seem to get his arm up high to strike 
with the same thing. He, he His natural instinct, it's kind of like a safety is making a choice often between going for the body or going for the ball. But his natural instinct is to use both hands to tackle. When it's a run play, that's a great idea. When it's a, when the quarterback's in the pocket, it's generally a bad idea. It's generally the, the lower, less optimal choice. So I like the pass rushers always to, to look to use that club. Uh, I think he is a, a potential Sam guy, as we mentioned. Um, what else I have to say that's really different? Uh, I would agree with you on the functional strength comment. Um, I think he can help the Ravens right away as a pass rusher is one of the nice things right from day one. But my number eight guy. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I understand why you have him at number eight because you, you see that ability to rush the passer and it's and just that explosiveness out of his stance when he's, when he's lined up to just rush the passer. Unfortunately, I feel like he was kind of using a weird defensive scheme at Oklahoma. So those actual reps were fairly limited. Um mm-hmm. A lot of the times he wasn't going up against the best kind of you know offensive tackles, and I think he kind of feasted on some some poor players in that aspect as well. Um, but you know, I do think you're getting someone who can have an impact, even if it's just in a situational role. So that that does have value. All right, outstanding. Well, let's go on to my number ten guy. That's Drake Jackson of USC. Uh, one of the things I love about Jackson is is one of the things to be a little bit concerned about about Benito is he's three years younger. Oh, actually, he's two years younger. He won't turn twenty one for four more days. We're taping this on the eighth of uh, April on the night opening day. The Orioles went down two to one today. By the way, you probably know that by the time you're listening to this, if you if you cared. Um, but the a young guy is really good. Obviously, he is all arms and legs. And despite that, uh, he does some things really well already as a pass rusher. Twelve and a half sacks, 25 tackles for loss. He's got good stat filling numbers uh, across the board. Two interceptions, four passes defense, a fumble recovery, two forced fumbles. And one of the reasons why is he's got one of the best wind up clubs you will see. It's almost comical to watch it on some place because he really gets his hand up high and he's looking to club when he's closing in from the blind side in particular. So uh, you, know, you can club from either side. You're, you're usually more likely to make it work from the blind side. And that's where they uh, often get their hand up high and early. Uh, does a very good job dictating first contact with opposing tackles. 34-inch arms, uh, that's exactly what you need for that. He'll get his hand on, on a tackle quickly. That will be an interesting transition for him to decide to, to see if his length, which will still be exceptional at the NFL level, um, really translates to the same sort of results. Because one of the things you need with that kind of length is what Adafi Owe has, which is the outstanding athleticism to go with it. And Drake Jackson, a little bit less of an athlete by any terms, obviously, than Adafi Owe is. So uh, it, it doesn't quite have that. So we'll see if that really works out. He'll need time in an NFL weight room. He is, as I say, very gangly right now, but uh, an interesting guy. Uh, I think a rotational run guy early on because I think he does have that length to manipulate the tackle appropriately right off the start. And so it maybe that's where he starts. He gives you some early down pass rush. In fact, that's a real nice thing for the Ravens. If they find him and he could be a later round prize, when I say that, probably a third round prize if you're getting Drake Jackson, if you're if you're really fortunate. Um, I don't think there's anything that say he'll they'll play Sam, but he's got a 709 three cone. Uh, that's nice. Uh, did not run a 40 that I saw either at his pro day or at the combine. So a little concerning maybe there, but seems to be a rush outside linebacker in the NFL. Somebody helps you work against that left tackle, turn that tackle with those long arms and, and hopefully grow into the functional strength. He needs to do it effectively at the NFL level. 
Yeah, I, I had Drake Jackson just outside of my top 10. Um, I, I see that there's a lot of upside with him. I'd like the fact that he's a younger prospect, like you mentioned. Um, the length is there. He, he definitely is one of the more explosive out of his stance. He has that speed. I actually think he's similar to Benito in that sense. He's maybe even a little bit bendier around the edge than Benito is. Um, he really can, you know, threaten that corner against against pretty much any offensive tackle, I think. Um, but I, my concern with him, and it's similar to what I have with Benito, is that's pretty much all they have at this point. They have that speed and they have that quick like bend around the edge, but I haven't seen kind of the counter moves. Maybe you see a spin move once in a while, but I feel like if he doesn't get that first strike, if the tackle gets his hands on him, he doesn't have any answers. It's, it's basically over. Well, it, is it fair to say that's a bigger problem for Benito at 23 than it is for Drake Jackson at 21, and in particular with the length? Because I, I see Jackson anyway as a guy who, when he's able to dictate that first contact, gets some coaching, gets some more functional strength, he, he could be a nightmare for people. And the three cone is what I would look at as the best athleticism component needs to get off quickly too. But the three cone in terms of his change of direction, ability to counter. And a lot of that, you can't measure with measurables. And that was, that was brilliant. Wasn't it? You you can't really (laughs) go by measurables in terms of the the guy's ability to counter because it's often, you know, like boxers measured, measured in very uh, short periods of time. But oftentimes it's just a guessing game for that, for that deep, for that edge as well. And if he can just make a, a, an impactful first step that the tackle has to respect, then often another move off of that will often work. And you can just be, you know, it's like guessing fastball for a hitter. You know, it's, it's a, it has a chance to work. Yeah, I think he has the tools to definitely improve there. Um, he has the length, like you said. He has the explosiveness. I think he needs to get stronger. Um, his ability to kind of... Um, I guess hand fight isn't there. He doesn't really have powerful hands like right. you'd like to see. I don't think he really does like the, the speed to power kind of conversion. You don't see him bull rushing very much. Um, I, I think that there is the ability as he develops into his body to to get there. And I, I think that's why if you're getting him in the third round, that's that's a great you know place to pick up someone like that who has really high developmental upside. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Let's go to your number nine guy. My number nine is Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Um, He's a little bit of a tweener, I would say, between kind of like a 3-4 defensive end, uh, base 4-3 end. Um, He's a little bigger than your normal outside linebacker. I think he's close to 270. Um, Still fairly decent testing numbers. Um, Really impressive, um, like vertical, broad numbers um, of 10 second split on his 40 time. Um, all very good. Um, he doesn't have quite the agility of some of these other, um, you know, defensive end or edge prospects that we're going to be talking about. But what he does do exceptionally well is play the run. He is probably in my estimation, the best run defender in this class of edge guys. And I think, you know, that gives him an automatic, um, plus, bonus points for me because he can plug him in right away as a starter and have him, you know, play the first couple of downs. You might be able to kick him inside a little bit, play some, some three te- technique, um, similar to like your Pernell McPhee kind of thing uh, where you don't have to have quite the same speed off the edge, but you have enough quickness to really beat a guard in, on the interior. I think that's where he's going to profile the best in the NFL. 
All right. So there's, there's, a, we're going to hear that name a lot tonight for Neil McPhee because I've got it <laughs> mixed in with some, some guys as well. Uh, Pascal guy, I, I, you know, he doesn't quite fit a five tech mold because he's really not that big. He's, he's uh, bulky, but I, I think of a five tech in the Ravens mold as being also a fairly tall guy, yeah. uh, Campbell, Urban, uh, Chris Canty, uh, Trevor Price, people like that, that, that uh, uh, they, they really like to have guys who can knock down passes in there, not just, uh, uh, you know, across a face and whatnot to, to create stunt uh, situations. Um, I, I didn't have Pascal in my top 10, and honestly, he's not on my honorable mention either, uh, but I respect the choice, and that's uh, certainly someone you can, uh, you can pick. If I hear the name and, and it's in the fourth round or later, I don't think I'll be upset. Where would you where would you want the Ravens to hard cap the draft capital they'd invested in? You know, I put him around the same area that Jackson is. He's probably in the, th- the third round range. Um, you know, I, I don't think this it wouldn't take him the second, but if he's there at the third round pick, I think you have someone you can you can plug in right away and and get productive um, snaps from, especially as a run defender. I think he can. You know, he, there's some snaps where he really has some impressive. Um, jolt in his hands he he can do some of that speed to power he can um you know i've seen him run over some offensive linemen really impressive um it's not consistent with him and he's not someone who's going to win off off the edge with with speed he's definitely kind of a power type of 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 player but i i think that that floor as a run defender is what makes um him very attractive to me all right. Last last question about him is: this run defense only something that really plays on the edge, or he could could he play um, inside at a five on base downs? He can definitely play and, inside in the five. Yeah, I mean, he played a lot of like the four four I in college. That was kind of his mm-hmm. his spot. Um, I, I think that he will also be able to play the five technique, um, and and he can stand up. I mean, he was taking on you know NFL caliber tackles and guards and and holding his own repeatedly in college. So I think he can definitely do that. That's that's definitely a mixed need then filled for the Ravens because they obviously they need a rush linebacker. They really, in my mind, they need a Sam linebacker out of this class too. And we'll be talking about that a little bit. But if they could also get a little bit more youth on that defensive line. I mean, they seem to be on a treadmill of not being able to get young players there, and it'd be really nice if they did. All right, so I've got my number nine guy, uh, a, a guy a lot of people certainly expected to be in the top three or four uh, coming into this draft, but uh, David Ojabo, uh, the torn Achilles, one of the most not only heartbreaking but really disturbing videos on his pro day. I'm sure you've probably seen it, right? Uh, you know, the guy walking by and, and picking up the ball and, you know, nobody coming out within any reasonable amount of time to the people who are viewing this video to, to, to take care of him. Uh, you know, a really sad thing. And obviously, uh, he lost millions of dollars on the on that single practice effort, uh, which is which is very sad. But uh, it does change the return profile on the player. And, you know, I think that's one thing we definitely want to talk about here is is. Gabe, is, is how far is it appropriate to drop Ojabo for the injury, given you're not going to get his first year and you also you know have to think about what's the cost in development? Yeah, that's it's a really tough question. I have him as my eighth-ranked player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in the second round, you consider it um, because of the upside that we saw, but 
like you said, the Achilles injury is not a forgiving injury. He is a player who depends on his athleticism, his explosiveness. Um, he, he's kind of like the the Benito and the Drake Jackson, but put on a little bit next extra level. Like he had really explosive traits um, in this one year. Really, he's he's really only had one year of, of play time in college, and he was kind of this one year wonder. Um, opposite of Aiden Hutchinson, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, it was, it was a really formidable pass rush duo and, you know, it was, um, impressive to watch him develop at the beginning of the season. He was barely even playing, um, a few snaps here and there. Then he started playing a lot more as, as the coaches, um, and future defensive coordinator for the Ravens, Mike McDonald saw, you know, this guy has a lot to offer. Um, and, it's, it's, it's really sad for him, I think, um, because he's someone who probably would have definitely gone the first round, potentially, you know, top 15, top 12 picks. Um, there, there were some flaws in his game. Like he wasn't a perfect prospect. His, his run defense was left a lot to be desired. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, he came off the field a lot on, on rundowns, but as a pure pass rush specialist, there was a lot that he was giving you. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, like I said, second round is... It's 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 a rich pick for someone. You're not, probably not going to get anything out of the of year one, and you don't know how long it's going to take for him to get fully back if he gets fully back from it. Um, right. It's it's tough to pick him there. I think. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I would agree on the round, but I want to come back to that in a second. The the, the the point I wanted to get to first was addressing like where is he in the development process? Mm-hmm. Because I think it, you know, there's an outstanding athletic talent there. There's an athletic talent that can consistently beat college tackles. Uh, college tight ends sometimes when they were on him because Hutchinson a lot of the time was on the other side. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a uh, you know certainly beat lines that are rolling in the other direction. Let's put it that way too because it's a, a great year obviously, but but what he did was not without additional help on that defensive on that Michigan defense I should say. Um, I I think he's got he's got a long way to go on his pass rush toolkit. He's getting by a lot on athleticism early. I would take that as a positive in a player who's his age. And at this point, if you could get him clean on year one, and I'd say, you know, you have another Adafi Oe situation where you might have a guy who take a big step forward. Uh, I'd want to be very careful in terms of the interviews, in terms of really understanding uh, how brainy the kid is, how uh, work ethic-y he is. Because we've got other players in this draft who they, I, I, I'm going to name one right now, even though it's not the offensive tackle show, Trevor Penning bothers me already in terms of what his work ethic might be. And what's the reason? He's got 34 penalties in 31 or 30 games, his last 30 or 31 games. That tells me he's not addressing something that's wrong, and I can't figure out why that would be other than it's really his own fault. The coaches have got to be all over him for it. It's, it's, it's the only negative in his game, really, that there is. You know, Why isn't he able to dedicate the time to fix these Five of them personal fouls last year. I mean, there's only two NFL players who had uh, six personal fouls in the entire league. Uh, so it's it's really unusual. And, and and they're you know defensive end pass rusher types. They're not uh, uh, you know edge edges who do pick up personal fouls. Uh, sorry, they, personal, edges pick up personal fouls because they uh, get roughing the passer penalties. But, but there's no reason for an offensive tackle to pick up a personal foul other than he's a bonehead. So, so that bothers me. So with with getting back to Ajabo here and what it means for him, I'd want to make sure the kid was really focused on his own development plan, really committed to how he was going to do that. And his advisors, the people who are close to him, his agents certainly are, are going to be telling him 
you know, feeding him a lot of what to say in these interviews and saying, look, you really need to pivot in each case to what you can do when you're not able to work out physically. Yes, you have to work on your rehab, but maybe more importantly, this is the opportunity I need to watch film of how American edge defenders work. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't been playing football all that long or, you know, whatever the other uh, things he needs to say are, I need to, I need to figure out uh, how to learn while I can't be on the field about how to be a better, better edge rusher. And I think that's really going to be the key for him. Uh, Patrick Queen, work ethic issue. I mean, clearly he hasn't made the progress we'd hope. All kinds of excuses are made for him. You really wouldn't want to have another guy like a, like a Jabo if all you had to do was make excuses for the guy. Now, getting back to the value I'd assign for this, I don't think they can take him at 45. I think they'd have to trade down. If they could get him in round three, I think that's fantastic. I don't think it's out of the question, by the way, because he's a huge question mark in terms of, you know, what he'll bring back to the field when he does. Um, But if they traded down and got to about number 60 and took him there, I think that would be fine. Uh, I think it's a worthwhile gamble. If they get him with their first third round pick, I, I'd probably be very happy with that. Yeah, it, it's it's a good it's a good question to see where that would happen. I think you know trading back with especially the amount of talent at this position could very well happen this year. Um, I've, it's hard, it, there's a lot of nitpicking I think between the players. I feel feel like it's a fairly flat kind of talent pool after the you know kind of like the elite tier. I would say um, there's a lot of pros and cons to for all of them, like a lot of really good athletes, but they're raw. There's, there's a few who are better technicians, but you know, they don't have quite the athletic upside. Um, so it's kind of a pick your poison, so to speak, but also like mm-hmm. there's a lot of players who can come in and I think be someone who has an immediate impact. Um, so that means that, you know, trading back and maybe not getting the first one, but getting the guy who's rated just a little bit below him, but getting that draft capital as well, that makes sense in, in, in a lot of senses. And it could be the second round. It could be the first round. Um, and and it, it might just depend on who's available in those spots too. If, the, if you have several guys you have rated evenly, you know, that's the Ravens way. You, you trade back and, and recoup some value and still get one of the guys you like. Sure. And, and the Ravens, I mean, if you look at their positional position group needs, uh, they have 10 picks and it ain't enough. I mean, they probably could use 13 easily in this draft. And it won't surprise me if they trade down from four uh, once or twice. They may trade down earlier, but we, we may see them get 12 picks in this draft. Wouldn't, would not shock me at all. Also wouldn't shock me, given the way that the um, compensatory picks are going this year, that they try and reset their draft into next year a little bit, too, with yeah. a couple of, couple of picks. So we'll see how that works out. Um, okay, now, so number eight for... You as a Jabo, and for number eight for me was Benito. So let's go to your number seven pick. My number seven is George Karlaftis, um, junior out of Purdue. Um, r- really kind of fun player to watch. He's he's very active, um, especially you know as a pass rusher. Um, I, th- I think he has you know one of the better kind of power rushes in in this class he can run through an offensive tackle he has a great bull rush um he doesn't quite have that speed to threaten the edge and i think you know that might be my biggest concern with him he's not really that agile and and bendy when he when he does kind of like try to win with speed you kind of see him take an extra step like his hips don't quite want to bend the way that some of these other players can bend he doesn't quite have, have that ability um so 
that's why I'm a little down on him. I think compared to other people, I think that um, in the NFL against longer, um, you know, offensive tackles, his his arms are in the 32 and a half range. That's a little bit shorter than you'd like to see, especially for a player um, with, with his skill set. Um, so. I think you know he can come in and I think be a productive player, but I'm I'm not sure about what his his upside would be, and that's why I have him at this spot. Okay, uh, you mentioned some things there. First of all, thanks for mentioning the arm length thing. I'd like to always I'd like to not always be the guy <laughs> who does that. Um, one thing about that though is his, his bench numbers are not good for his arm length. His shorter arms, 21 bench reps. That's just not impressive for a. Uh, an edge rusher with with uh, you know shorter arms. If he had 34, 34 and a half inch arms, it'd be fine. Um, if uh, you know at thirty two and a half or thirty two and five eighths is what I've got, then then uh, it's really not good. Uh, his measurables otherwise are all very good, but he did not run a forty, so it's a little bit concerning there. Didn't see it on his pro day or on his combine, so so that's something that you never know. Guy may have something to hide. Uh, I did like. Uh, some of the tape I saw, I thought, uh, first thing I think is he's way too big for a tight end to block. Uh, there, there is, he is a possible kick in guy uh, on third down. Definitely would, would, would have that possibility could play uh, to meet your personnel needs. So if you have two wide nine guys, Carl Laftis can move inside. He can be that Pernell McPhee guy. Now, what I'm not sure he could be is Pernell McPhee crossing your face. So Pernell McPhee diving right into a double team and beating it or creating an opportunity for another pass rusher. I'm not sure he can be that, but um, you know, he, he can, he can definitely help you inside. And if he gets lined up against a, a player who's a little smaller, maybe even you scheme to have him lined up on the center, then you might really have a, a you know, an opportunity you can exploit. So there, there are things that are good there. Uh, you mentioned the alignment versatility. We've, we've, we've covered that. Um, played a ton of snaps yeah. already, 55 snaps per game at age 20. Then at age 18, he played 70 snaps per game at age 18. Just incredible. So, uh, you know, he's he hangs in there. I mean, if, if you really want to compare him to an X-Raven, Terrell Suggs was the guy who had that kind of a profile, who, who just played an unbelievable number of snaps with the Ravens. I think of that as being more of a fourth, uh, sorry, yeah, four-three defensive end profile than it is normal for a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, so we'll see. I, th- I think he will play fewer snaps if he's, if he's drafted by the Ravens. Uh, he'll certainly play you know, more situationally as a rookie. Um, but, but it's interesting to, see, it'd be interesting to think how they would do him. I think he's, he, he does not fit as a Sam linebacker. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to see, see there. So that's one of the big needs for the Ravens that would not be addressed. Um, but if they take him, and, and you know, Carl Aftis has been mocked to the Ravens at 14. I know. I saw the Sun had him at, at 14 to the Ravens. And I, I, uh, I think it's probably unlikely. But if, if, they, if they do it, it's because they want him to be able to move inside on third down. And they're already thinking about that versatility as being valuable. And probably also they're thinking, I don't know how we're going to get all these snaps on, on defense eaten up. And he can really help us. So definitely a guy who, who will play a, a right away and will will make somebody pretty happy with what he does. Yeah, I, I think like you nailed it with the fact that he's really just a rush end for, for the Ravens. Um, you know, he I think he could kick inside a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't want him there on early downs. I, I think you can run at him a little bit, even though he's mm-hmm. a little bit on the larger side. I think he's around 265. Um, but he he's not the most stout run defender. In, in my opinion, um, 
I, you know, I think there's things to like about him. I, I do think he, he can be a productive player. Um, I was a little concerned about the ability to translate pressures into sacks. Um, his, his sack totals were a little bit lacking, especially for someone who, who was, I think, pretty actively getting into the backfield. I, I think that somewhat comes to what I was talking about with like the ability to kind of bend. Like He was able to get the pressure, but he wasn't quite ability, able to get to the quarterback in time to bring him down for the sack. So. Mm-hmm. I think so he'd fit right in with the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> Justin Houston of last year, right? I mean, I feel like he had like five sacks that were almost sacks. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that has that's a Raven already meant to be. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, by the way, where did you have him um, ranked? By the way, number five. Five. Number five. So I, I have him. He's the last of the guys that I think is an obvious first round selection. Okay, so he's uh, he's number five for me. So are we good to go on to my number seven or do, and more on Carl Aftus you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, want? for me, like, I was just going to say, I don't think I have him at 14 as a pick that I would be happy with the Ravens making there. Um, he's, I think maybe if you trade back to the back end of the first round, mm-hmm. then then that's more in line with his value. Um, so, I mean, and if he lasts into the second round, I think, even better. I, I don't see that happening. I think he probably will go towards the back half of the first round. Um, and depending on how the draft goes, maybe the Ravens feel like they need to make that choice at 14. I think there will probably be better options um, based on my evaluation, but um, I don't think you're getting a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I mean, Ravens have obviously a lot of positional needs going into that. That's obviously bad in terms of where your franchise is, but it's good in terms of the draft in the sense that you have many more options to take the best available, many more, many fewer forced trades. So, you know, you're not calling somebody who's got the 26 pick and saying, Hey, you know, would you like to make a trade with us? And they're thinking, great, we got them here. We'll, we'll scrape these guys, got these guys like a fish for, for draft capital because they really have to move down their guy is overvalued here. Um, you, you're not forced into that. So they, they obviously they need corners and, and there's going to be corners available and they, they need edge rushers and there's going to be edge rushers available. Some people would say an inside linebacker would be a worthwhile pick uh, with a 14th. I'm not one of them, but you know, the, the Ravens could, could probably convince other people they're trading with. Uh, and certainly if somebody else wants the inside linebacker at 14, I think the Ravens, you know, have a good chance to trade that pick. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you on that. That I think the back half of the first round is probably the place for Carlaftis. All right, I'll jump ahead. Um, uh, my number, let's see, are we up to number seven here, right? Yeah, yeah. My number seven guy, Boye Mafe, uh, one of the players I probably uh, got the most additionally excited by during my process. So he played at Minnesota. Uh, very solid length, 33 and an eighth on, on arms. It's, it's not exceptional. It's just solid. Um, but he runs a 453 with that. And that tells me guy can probably convert to being a Sam linebacker. He has not had a lot of drop to coverage opportunities in college that I'm aware of. Um, but that's what happens when you're a great pass rusher in college that your, your team wants you doing that. And you kind of have to look at the traits like, like that 453 speed and the arm length and, and his three cone in particular, uh, which isn't really exceptional, by the way. He's yep. at 724 in the three cone. Uh, but but uh, you have to look at that to try and decide, can this guy adapt to being a Sam in the NFL? I think the Ravens will probably try him there. Uh, along uh, Adafi Owe, I would expect to get a, an opportunity there this next year, particularly with Bowser if he if he misses the the beginning of the season. Are you are you with me on that? 
um, with Bowser missing the first part? If, or? That if Bowser misses the first oh, part of the season, that Owe oh, okay, will yeah. probably get some time as it's Sam. I, I think it makes sense for him. I mean, he definitely has the athleticism to play that role. I, we, we saw him dropping the coverage a little bit, you know, the preseason last year. He, I think he can fill that if needed, especially if you get someone who's more of a natural rush uh, and um, in, in the draft that can kind of make them sw- flip-flop that way. And you need you, you kind of whenever you need Sams, you really need two. You don't need one, so you got to have to have one to take some snaps off off the plate. Uh, you know, the Ravens always had kind of a in recent years anyway. They've had, they've had a, a their cup has run over with good Sams when they had Judon and Bowser in particular. But let's get back to Maffei for a second. Um, uh, great ball awareness, you know, kind of a tip drill interception to himself. I see this in a couple of guys in this class. Drake Jackson actually. Uh, has some of this as well. I don't think I mentioned in, in his uh, one, but awareness of where the quarterback's going. He's trying for PDs. He had a nice tip interception versus Maryland. Uh, got a great motor. And in that way, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Oway from last year that he rushes well from a delayed start. Uh, that that kind of guy, by the way, who has that great motor, is a very dangerous man to block 12 to 6. That quarterback thinks the guy is behind him and out of the play. He ain't. He's coming back, and, and he, may, he may get the forced fumble late. So he got a lot of good opportunities for, for, uh, uh, for some good finish plays on, on slow developers. Uh, he, he has, I would say, heavy hands. He definitely explodes into the play. He often has a, a good ability to swat those uh, uh, that tackles arms away. Uh, he has inside and outside moves you'll see on tape. That was one of the real exciting things. In terms of measurables, Probably one of the most ridiculous in the entire edge class is his 41 and a half inch vertical leap. Now, uh, that was at his pro day at the combine. It was 38 inches. That's still good, by the way. <laughs> but, but that kind of gives you a little bit of delineation there between pro day and uh, uh, you know combine measurables. I wonder if I had him on a trampoline or something <laughs> for that one. But, uh, but that was interesting. Uh, good get off. Uh, lateral mobility. Uh, not that great, as I mentioned, with the three cones. So he needs to be – what that tells me is he needs to really be dictating the action – his arm length is, is sufficient to do that, I'll say. Uh, but he needs he's going to have to be more clever about what he's got in the toolkit if he's going to be dictating the action. It can't always be punched to the armpit, uh, punched in the in the bicep sometimes, but the armpit is really where you'd want to go on the on the offensive tackle. He's he's uh, he's gonna have to figure out different ways uh, to dictate that first contact. And uh, you know, uh, I, I I went through a lot of thought in terms of, of whether or not I, I moved him ahead of Ajabo, but I finally said, yeah, he's my number seven guy, and uh, uh, and that's the way I'm I'm lining up the board. So for me, Mafe was number six. Um, okay. I think I mean, you mentioned kind of the uh, impressive, um, explosive numbers from from the combat and the pro day. The the forty one and a half inch vertical is is. Re- kind of ridiculous for someone who's yes. um 6'4 265 like he has the frame that you want for a defensive end outside linebacker um m- maybe not quite the like you said lateral mobility but linear exceptional um you know you you did mention you know can he kind of drop in coverage there weren't many times when he was asked to do that you saw it every once in a while um i think i saw him cover a running back on like a wheel route in against the Ohio state that he looked, he was step for step with a running back. I think he has that ability to do it. It wasn't asked of him to do very often, but the athleticism, the speed um, is definitely there. Um, I really like his upside. One of the 
potential negatives about him is he's older. Um, he'll be turning 24 in his rookie year in the NFL. So, you know, in terms of athletic development, he's probably maxed out. Um, and obviously he's done very well for himself in terms of that athleticism. But it's um, that, that's definitely something to consider. However, you know, I, I see him as someone who can come in and right away and be a productive um, edge. He can, he's good enough against the run. He has that, you know, speed off the edge. You know, I don't know if you watched the senior bowl or the, or the practices of that week, but he was someone who really, I think, um, helped himself out a lot at the senior bowl. Um, he had two sacks in the game. He was a handful the entire week. He's someone that I think, you know, given the right role can be extremely productive right away. And, and, you know, if you can get him at the back end of the first or early second round, I think you're, you're doing really well for yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think if the Ravens were to get him at forty-five, I'd be I'd be tremendously excited. Yeah. Um, I, if but if they they can't take him at fourteen, if they trade it down to the end of the first round, I still don't know if I'm excited. If they trade out of the first round into the top of the second, uh, I'd probably be very excited there because I think that's a good pickup of draft capital. They're getting a good player, and they're getting a player they probably wouldn't get at forty-five. So uh, they address the Sam need. It's a, so it'd be a combination of a good need and value pick if they got him early in the second round. Yep, I completely agree. Okay, so he was your number six guy. So we're down to my number six guy now, I guess? Uh, sure. Okay, I believe I will pronounce his name correctly, but it's Arnold Ebikati of Penn State. Um, great uh, size-quickness combo, a 460-640, 34-8-inch arms, 695 three-cone. Now, there's an athlete who is going to really make a tackle be concerned about what the first move is because he's going to be too quick laterally uh, for that. And, and, and offensive tackles generally are not as good athletes as the guy they, they face from across. They have to be bigger, they have to be longer, and, and they have to then deal with a lot of other distractions during the play of trying to figure out if the B-gap's going to be pressured or if they need to block outside or if the if the the blocking scheme is, is rolling to them. All of the, all of those things they need to worry about are distractions for the tackle. Generally they're bigger. Generally they're not as good athletes, obviously. Now uh, we saw outstanding jumps, uh, jumps uh, from Eva KT and uh, indicative of that explosiveness as well. So explosiveness, lateral movement, length, and his kind of good speed are an exceptional combination of measurables. And it's really plus across the board. Uh, now, this is interesting because he's also a very polished pass rusher. So he's delivered a high pressure rate um, and a pass rush win rate in college that's, that's, that's very high. Uses that length exceptionally. You can see it right. I mean, if you watch any tape of the guy, you can see he's, he's thinking about where he's going to strike on the tackle uh, as he goes into that play. Uh, we already see some decent counter moves from this guy. And by the way, those two things go hand in hand. The guy who figures out where he's going to strike first also knows where he's going to strike second. So uh, he's played 1,300 college snaps, um, you know, less than 1,300 college snaps. That's not a ton, uh, you know, certainly. Very limited high school experience before that. Um, I did not, was not able to find an age on him. He's one of the few guys. I know he's from Cameroon, and uh, but I never never found a birthday. If you can find that for me, by the way, using your better sources than mine here, it would appear. <laughs> so then I... Let me reference that real quick. Um, sure. I'm using Dane Brugler's um, graph, graph guide. He terms it the beast. Um, it just came out yesterday, I think. Um, it, it's this an incredible, the yes, the athletic. Okay. It's an incredible resource for anybody who's interested in the draft. It has, I think, like 300 some um, write ups 
um, it's 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 really impressive. Um, he's twenty three, so he is okay. a little bit on the older side. Um, I think this he was a fifth year senior um, at, at Penn State, so the, you know that's a slight thing. I I, I think, um, but for so let me just get out and say it. He's my number four rated edu- mm-hmm. rusher. I think. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned all the reasons why he's there. He's he really checks off pretty much every box aside from maybe the the size. He's six foot two, but very long arms. Um, Thirty four inch arms is is kind of makes up for the fact that he's a little bit shorter. Um, you know, you can think of players like Elvis Dumerville, for instance. He was you know just under six feet, but he had long arms, and that gave him a natural leverage advantage. Um, I think. You, we see that from Epic Haiti as well. Um, like you said, he has really good speed off the line. Um, I think he has room to actually improve. Sometimes he kind of like takes a false step with his pass rush. I think if he can kind of um, get a better, you know, first um, immediate jump off the line of scrimmage, he can be even more efficient as a pass rusher. Um, you mentioned the pass rush win rate. It's it's extremely high. I think, mm-hmm. I, think I saw like 32%. Um, lined up, um, you know, off tackle. Um, it's just kind of everything you want from someone you can plug in right away and, and get uh, a lot of productivity from in, in the NFL. And he's probably more of the, you know, the pure um, rush end. Um, I yep. think we don't see him dropping the coverage too much. Um, I, I think he's decent against the run. He's, it's not necessarily a liability. It's not really his strength. But for me, I mean, I, I would I would consider drafting him at fourteen for me. I, th- I think that it might be a little bit rich, but I, I think everything he offers, he's more of a complete package than than many of the prospects in this class. And it's you know I think I think he's someone who can come in and give you six hundred snaps, really high quality um, pass rushing snaps, and and that's what you really want from your first round edged guy. So I, I'm all in with him. Huge endorsement there uh, to, to have him drafted at 14. That has him competing with a lot of great players in this draft. So, uh, you know, it's, that's, a, that's a very high uh, thing. And I agree with you. Uh, he's a plug-and-play, uh, rush only, and he's, this guy's not going to play Sam. And, in fact, I think you'd really be wasting him to play Sam. He's such a technician as a pass rusher that, um, you know, you really want him to be right in there delivering the pass rush the Ravens have seen. You know, a one-on-one winner is not something the Ravens have had for you know, quite some time, frankly. And, and this is a guy who uh, wins in a variety of ways. And, and I think you're going to, uh, you know, is, is a guy we would like. Uh, be exciting. Um, love to have him. Uh, I, I still think 14 is kind of too rich. I'd like the Ravens to trade down. I think that um, there's just a lot of good players that you're, you're competing against when you get their corners. You got a whole bunch of quarterbacks we hope will be taken yeah. before 14. And by the way, draft night, the first, the, the thing you'd be sure of, if you, if you listen into the, to the show, and by the way, if you're out there and you haven't ever watched the draft with us, we have a great time. We have a panel discussion on a zoom call. We have, you can ask a question if you want, you have all kinds of people. Gabe will be on the show, uh, for, for first couple of rounds at least. Right. Yep. Okay. And uh, uh, you know, get an opportunity to, to talk to some people who really, really follow the stuff and uh, and uh, hopefully have a lot of fun while we do it. But one of the things we'll always be excited about is when Ravens non-positions of need, like quarterback, go off the board. <laughs> That's a good thing. So uh, anyway, uh, I, 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 when he goes off the board and it's not to the Ravens, I'll tell you what, I will be upset. Uh, it, whether it's at, uh, at 13, 16, 24, whatever it might be, it, it'll be, oh, that's a player we really could have used. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a player that I've kind of 
got that draft crush for. Um, and I would love to see him on the Ravens. Um, you know, one other thing I would mention about him, um, I, I think he's, he's cerebral in, in his pass rushing. I, th- I feel like he sets up, um, he has a plan that, um, I think he oh, yeah. has very, really good footwork. Um, you can kind of see him, um, and we'll talk a l- little bit about this later with another player that um, I'm, I'm very high on, but um, I think that he definitely is at a level that is more advanced than probably all but like two or three guys in, in this class. And that's why I have him as my number four uh, edge guy, because he's, he's ready to do that thing that you draft defensive ends and outside linebackers to do. It's come in and rush the passer. So you, you can get that with him. Yeah, very excited. And there's no doubt about it in terms of the polish. He's uh, he's he's might be the guy in this class, but he's certainly one of the guys in this class. So let's see. Your number five guy was who? So my number five guy is Trayvon Walker. Um, and I know a lot of people are a little bit higher on him than I am. Um, the obvious athleticism is extremely impressive. Um, it's unlike many players i mean he's kind of like a, almost a one-of-one one. he's you, i mean you can see like miles garrett type level athleticism out of him um but he doesn't have the production um and he honestly doesn't even have the traits that make you think he will be able to produce at a higher level um part of that is because of the way he was used in georgia's defense he wasn't really someone who lined up um kind of in a wide stance just to kind of rush the passer when he was asked to do that um I still didn't see very much out of him in terms of his ability to set up, you know, offensive tackles, um, his pass rush plan, what I was you know, praising Arnold Epicady, Trayvon Walker is the exact opposite. He doesn't have an idea yet. He doesn't know how to use his hands very well. He doesn't know how to, um, he doesn't, for ex- as explosive as he tested, he doesn't really use that to beat, you know, tackles with his speed off the edge. He tries to run through them and occasionally it works, but he has a massive amount of development to happen. Anything from a pass rush perspective is a complete projection with him right now. And while he has the physical traits to get there, he could potentially be the best player in this entire class in two oh, years. Yeah. It's going to take him a lot to get there. And it, it, I'm worried about what, what that's going to mean. All right. I, I like him more than you do. It seems like, well, definitely by, by ranking, I like him more because he's my number three guy. But I'll tell you, in in terms of the size, uh, shape, speed combination, he's this year's Adafi Owe, uh, 451, 35 and a half inch arms. I mean, that's longer than almost any tackle in the entire league. Um, 6'5", 272. So he's got that that same speed to run 451 at 272 pounds. Yeah. Just incredible. So you you love that. Uh, All the explosiveness metrics are off the chart. Uh, You just cannot coach get off like he's capable of uh but he hasn't really shown yet at the college level so um we'll see that he, he needs a lot of coaching he needs a lot of development in terms of what he does in a pass rush but that's that's true of of a lot of players who haven't um who are in this position i mean he's first of all he's he's not yet uh he won't be 22 until december so he's one of the younger guys, not the youngest guy by any stretch in the class, but he's one of the younger guys. And, uh, you know, he, I, the tools are there to do the things that Ebikati can already do. I understand why you would have him a spot higher than you would have Trayvon Walker. And I, I got no objection to that. I just think Walker's upside is even higher. Yeah. 
And, and I, I, I get excited about that. And, and uh, I think what he will do to manipulate tackles and how the Ravens were able to get that done with Owe, I think I think he translated into a Ravens pick very well at 14. I'd be thrilled if the Ravens ended up getting him there. Um, I, I think he's certainly one of the guys they'll consider at 14. And it will be one of the big points of drama. Obviously, there's going to be good players available to the Ravens at 14. They're going to have a choice of three or four guys who can really help them at a minimum. Could be more than that. Um, And uh, Trayvon Walker is a potential cornerstone NFL player, a a guy who really changes how your defense is played. And um, uh, I just I I think he's, you know, maybe maybe they decide. Maybe they decide Ebikati is. 94% 94% of the player and they're willing down to trade 14 spots down and they can still, they think they can still get him there. Maybe that's the move they make. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, you know, beat on them for making that move if they did, but I also won't be upset. Not one little bit if they take Walker at 14. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like you said, the, uh, the upside is tremendous with Walker. Um, he's a one of one basically from a, from a physical standpoint. I, I think that it, it's really a question of, what do you think you can do with him from your coaching standpoint? Um, and I, I think the other question is, what are you going to get from him right away? Because mm-hmm. I, I do think there's going to be a developmental curve. It, it, you don't learn how to play. You don't learn the pass rush kind of arsenal, so to speak, overnight. It's something yeah. that's taught. It's learned with experience. He frankly doesn't have that experience um, from the program he was at in Georgia. Um, so I, it, it, it will take him some time, I think, to get there. I think, you know, he can be a useful player in, in a defense, in the Ravens defense. Um, I think he has a high floor as a run defender, especially at like an outside linebacker position. Um, he uses his length very well at times. Um, and and obviously he's he's very strong. Um, I think he can be very stout, um, you know, and I think he could play rush end or, or Sam, frankly, because he is so fluid and sure. athletic. He can be someone who drops into coverage. He was asked to do that a little bit while he was at Georgia. Yeah. yeah I, I, the, the, the point I would make along these lines is that he is that guy. And Owe was that guy last year who you fit in in a situational role and you grow his role bit by bit. But a guy like this, he starts he starts being your rush end. Hopefully, the Ravens get Justin Houston back, yeah. and Justin Houston has an impact on him. Or maybe they get McPhee back, or maybe they get McPhee back as a coach. Because I think there's been intimations, though, it hasn't been said yet, that McPhee and Jimmy Smith are both retiring. Hmm. But Harbaugh used, used the line that he's used before, which was um, – um, McPhee and Smith have some news, but I'm going to let them tell you about mm-hmm. it. That's exactly what he did with Steve Smith a few years back when, when he retired. So I recognize the, the language. It's, it seems like it's going to be that way. Uh, McPhee uh, uh, would be a fine coach, I think, in this league. Or There, there certainly are things about him uh, that I want other players to try and learn about the difference between playing outside and inside, how to use your hands, uh, how, to, how to have that big first step what cues he uses against the center in terms of get off, that kind of thing. But anyway, you, you move this guy up one responsibility at a time. And the rush end is the first, maybe the Sam is the second, maybe you work on kicking him inside as well, because he's a guy who's, who has tools to do that. I, he could, he could be devastating um, two gap stunter within the Ravens system. So uh, Owe is that they've got lots of underneath guys. The Ravens didn't that, that, that pool may be limited because Wolf was a great underneath guy. He's probably not going to be back. I'm assuming. And, 
and uh, or he's not going to play anyway. Um, you know, they had a, they had a good under and over guy in Campbell that they may or may not get back. There's been talk about that, so we'll see how they how it how it uh, how it goes. But he's he's a guy who can stunt two gaps and and he'll be there in a flash. It, it, it won't be a problem at all. So I think that that there's so many interesting ways to use him. Don't over responsibility him from the start. You know, he'll start his first year. He'll probably play 45 percent of the snaps, not 60 like Oway did. Um, and, and you'll end up with a player who I think will be, uh, uh, you know, grow into something that's very, very valuable. Yeah. And you, and you talked about it with his, um, you know, the ability to kind of move and like the like stunts and twists. Um, I think that's where he looked most impressive in college when, when he was asked to kind of, you know, be someone who could create havoc along, along the you know, offensive line. And he can, he'll definitely be able to do that at the NFL level. Um, I, I think that, you know, something that's interesting to think about as well is the, the defensive coordinator that the Ravens are getting. Uh, if you look at the way he coached in Michigan, and we don't know if that's exactly what the Ravens defense is going to look like, but it was often four man fronts and he kind of had a mm-hmm. power rusher like the Aiden Hutchinson and then the speed guy on the other end, um, which could be your, your Ojabo or Owe. Um, and I think that, Walker can do that kind of power rush ability right away. And he, he, he like I said, I, I don't know if he's going to be the real threat and speed off the edge, even though he has those explosive mm-hmm. traits. But I think if he's, he can learn how to bull rush um, effectively, that can be a really um, useful the tool in, in the Ravens defensive toolbox. Um, so if he's there at 14, I'm definitely on board with taking him there. Um, you know, some people have talked to him up going in the top five, even top three. Um, Personally, I don't see that. I think that's a, a huge gamble, a huge risk to take him that high with, with kind of the raw um, levels that we've seen of him. Um, but at 14, I think it's definitely worthwhile, um, especially considering the Ravens' real need at that position and the upside from the athleticism, I think is just too much to kind of pass on at that point. Well, the for- Ravens, fortunately or unfortunately, actually, uh, don't have to worry about having the third overall pick. So they can wait for any number of these high value players to drop into their price range at 14. And, and they're going to have choices. I think it's actually going to be very difficult for the Ravens to trade this first pick. Cause I think there'll be uh, a player of need available at some position that they'll really want. So I think they're going to have a hard time, a hard time actually trading the pick just, just because they don't want to lose it themselves. Uh, my number five guy was Karlaftis. So I think we're up to your number four guy. My number four, oh, my number four was Abakati. So, do you want to okay. do your? My number then? four guy then is Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. Not not a big surprise, I'm sure to most. Probably in your top three, uh, 736 snaps in 12 games in 2021. So he's averaging 61 snaps a game. Uh, that is an Iron Man. Has quite good 34 and a half inch arms, 458, 40. Uh, good explosiveness. It's a, it's a great combination of traits to have. Uh, the Notre Dame game was one where he was just all over the place. It was a very fun game to watch, and you know I had every snap from that one, so it was a good one to to to, to have him. By the way, highly recommend people try not to watch highlight tapes for all scouting stuff. You, you can maybe get an idea of what a player is capable of on the outside, but what I find much more useful is to watch every snap from an individual game. Even if it's not the most representative game, you'll see, still see mistakes he makes and, and you know, traits he has on a play-by-play basis. And it's, you get more of a how often than it, you do from a highlight tape, which basically he's a 100% player. 
from that. So uh, that Notre Dame game really was was exceptional. It's it's out there and available, and uh, and and it was really a good one for him. Uh, his reputation as an outstanding edge setter. Um, that's apparent on tape. He definitely has an ability to use those arms to turn the tackle, uh, which you like. Uh, as a pass rusher, I think there's still more uh, that needs to develop. He's more of a dip player right now, really wants to get under the outside shoulder of the tackle. Um, he needs to add, with his athleticism, he needs to add an inside move of equal destructiveness is a word um, effectiveness but you, you want to call it. it it really is anything euro spin move anything where he can he can move inside off a of first move is fine he can also have a move where he just he, he just it tries to initiate contact and go inside as well and just show that once in a while but if the dip is going to be the main element of his game he needs a good counter to the inside as well too so um, that'd be something I'd, I'd really want to see um the way he fans out a tackle was something that I thought the Ravens could probably use. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you play on the edge, some guys really like to play nine. Some guys like to play seven. But the guys who really like to play wide, like an Ngakwe or you know players like that that we've had on the Ravens, really fan out that tackle. Elvis Dumerville, another guy who on pass rush downs really like to play it pretty wide. Um, they like to fan out the tackle very wide. That creates B-gap opportunities for the slot corner on that side often. Could be the safety, could be an inside linebacker, but B-gap opportunities. So you, you, you break down that line integrity that way, and you've got another chance to get a good pass rush uh, through another hole. Uh, to me, Johnson is a Sam uh, with his speed. Great fit for the Ravens uh, with the Tyus Bowser injury. Um, you know, as... As good as he is athletically, in most ways, he's Adafi Owe, except Adafi Owe is 0.22 seconds faster in the 40, which is just still incredible to me after a year. Yeah, Adafi Owe is also, I think, two years younger than Jermaine Johnson. Um, he's another older player, which, you know, take it for what it's worth. Some some people will nick, knock players harder for that. Some will say it's, you know, it's just part of the game. Um I really like him. He was my number three ranked player. I think um, I mentioned uh, Pascal as having, um, you know, probably the best run defender of this, you know, top, top group. Um, Jermaine Johnson is right behind him. He is, in my opinion, an outstanding edge setter. Um, and, and more than just an edge setter, I think he's disruptive in the run game. Um, you, you mentioned the Notre Dame game. I, th- I think you saw that, you know, sometimes he would kind of knife inside the tackle and make plays. Um, you know, you, you kind of see him, really be able to move offensive tackles like he'll do kind of like a push pull move in in the run game which is um, not something you see all the time and it can be you know um it's not always the right way to 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 defend the run but he's he's someone who can make a lot of tackles for loss i'll put it that way um and and i think that's important um because that's important more also the sack potential there um he's probably um, you know, he might not be a guy who consistently hits double-digit sacks in the NFL, but he's going to be like the 8-10 to 10 kind of sack player, um, very high motor. Um, he's, he's always finishing plays. Um, he's, he's never giving up. I think that's something that uh, I've, I've seen some comps to, to Matt Judon because of kind of that motor he plays with. I mean, he has a nice like closing burst ability to finish plays that I really like. Um, so with him, you're definitely getting someone who is very high – high floor. Um, his ceiling may not be as high as someone like Trayvon Walker, but I think, you know, the, the ability to come in and really be a stout run defender to 
have that length on the edge, the ability to kind of, like you said, like, you know, fan out the offensive tackle, um, threaten with, with speed, uh, with some bend. Um, I think he does have some room to develop with the pass rush, d- develop an inside counter, like you said. But um, overall, you're, you're getting someone who's a very good football player, and he's going to be an immediately impactful player too. So absolutely take him at 14. Um, he can he can definitely help you out in the run game. He can help you out in the passing game. He's probably not going to drop into coverage a lot. Um, so that's the only thing I would say about him in the Sam role. He's not, he's not like your Tyus Bowser type. who's going to, you know, drop, you know, 10 times a game in coverage. Um, but he does have good athleticism and he can do it at times. It's, it's probably just not his, his best attribute. Okay. So uh, let's, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, uh, let's go back on this for a second, but I, the, the speed doesn't, doesn't give you hope that he could be a Sam. Cause we almost never have any real college tape of great, pass rushers dropping into coverage. I, I, I feel good about it. So I, I think I, I like to see some, some college players do play more off the ball. Um, like, like uh, the Nick Benito we talked about earlier, he has some reps where he's in, you see him in coverage. I think, you know, speed is sometimes a very linear thing. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're good in coverage. I mean, I'm not saying that he couldn't drop into like a zone and be, productive there i'm not sure you someone i'm going to one match matching up in man coverage across from my tight end um that, that's a pretty rare um player that you're going to get at, at your outside linebacker um you know that's what we have in tyus bowser he's outstanding in that role um there, i don't know if there's anybody in this class who can really do that um you know johnson can can do probably he can help you out there but it's not something that i would, I would want to consistently see him doing Okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough. And the other question I had for you, and I, I was not aware of his age. He is, he'll be 23 in January. So he's already fully 22 at the draft, which is a little bit older. I, it does the, maybe the nine month average difference from some of the other pass rushers in this class and the fact that his game um, as a pass rusher, definitely not fully developed concern you age wise at all. Or do you really more look like it as we're getting this guy for one contract either way? And honestly, with your first round pick, you really are hoping for more than that because because that option value, the fifth year option value has value. The franchise tag comes in and has value for a first round pick more than in other rounds. Uh, You know, you're I think you're really more looking for a cornerstone player where your where your average tenure, uh, you know, you you might want to put the over under at seven instead of uh you know, four or five years in the case of a one? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, I feel like you might not want to sign him to a big second contract. And, and that's true for any of these players who are, you know, 22, 23 already. Um, I, I think Johnson's already 23. I, I might be wrong. I, 23 in January. Okay. So, so he's still nine months away. Okay. Um, then maybe I was off a year with him then. Um, but oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I have it wrong. I thought it was 99. I, I, I think I'm wrong. I think he is 23 already. Let me look again. I thought, let me look at it one more time. I will get it right. I think, you know, it, yeah, you're right. 24 yeah. in January. Sorry. It is, it is something to think about. And, um, if, if he turns out to be a great player, you're probably going to offer him the contract regardless. Um, but, you're definitely going to be getting his best years on the rookie deal. Um, and it's in terms of his developmental upside, I, I don't, I feel like he's already enough 
he has enough in his toolbox as a pass rusher that he can be someone who can come in and, and be a help there right away. I think he has more to offer that than like Trayvon Walker, for instance, um, from the from the pass rush right away. But his upside probably isn't there either. He doesn't have quite the explosiveness or, or the crazy, you know, athletic traits. So, you know, that's why I kind of said, you know, he's like a Matt Judon kind of like eight to 10 sack guy. Um, is that worth, you know, taking at 14 if he, if he gives you like, you know, plus run defense? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I, I think so too. And by the way, the plus run defense I wanted to comment on too, I really saw that in the Notre Dame game is the guy has good awareness of where the football is. And in today's option game, you know, as we're seeing more of that, more of these mobile quarterbacks who would like to keep the football, um, you know, that awareness is really important. I think it's something you look for more in an edge, particularly when they leave the edge unblocked. Now, that's more of an issue if you're having to face Lamar Jackson, but there's a lot more quarterbacks coming into the league that they're trying to get the quarterback on the move and uh, and do some of these read plays. And, and uh, you know, I think he's got that good awareness and really showed it. Yep, agree with that. All right. All right, let's move on now. Number three, who did you have? So was three was Johnson for me. Okay, and three was Walker for me. So did we? I think we've, we've exchanged mm-hmm. there. So I bet we have the same number two and number one. Number two, who's yours? So my number two is Aiden Hutchinson. Um, he is a very good player um, out of Michigan. I th- you know, we mentioned him already. You know, playing opposite of David Ajabo. Um, I think you know Hutchinson's another player who I feel like developed over the course of the season. I think he got better. Um, as the season went on, he, I think he kind of learned the role a little bit as the season went on. He felt more comfortable as this kind of like wide edge rusher. Um, I, you know, he has pretty much all the traits you're looking for in terms of just the pass rush ability. He, he's explosive. He has great hand usage. He, he has, you know, he sequences his pass rush very well. He has move after move that he stacks on offensive tackles. Um, he's six foot seven, which is, which is really tall for the position. The yep. one glaring negative with him is the arm length. He has 32 inch arms on someone who's six yep. foot seven. It is insane. I don't even know how it's even genetically possible, um, <laughs> but it's it is apparently. I mean, he has he has the arms of someone who is basically someone who's like six foot two or six foot, and that's that will have some issues for him. I think at the NFL level with with offensive tackles with you know 34 plus inch arms, he's he's going to have to really work hard um, to, to figure out how to combat that. And he has some unique athletic traits. I think he ran like a six, seven, three cone, which is absurd for someone who's ridiculous and and two sixty five. like the agility he has, you know, the relentlessness that he has, he has an extremely high motor similar to Jermaine Johnson. There's so much to like about him, but that, that one, you know, small trait issue is something that keeps me from having him as, as my number one player. Yeah, I, I I would probably be more concerned about his arm length alone. And and that's of course the, the one real negative that that glares, the thirty-two and an eighth inch arms. Um, but he has so many other things going for him. There is so much else in his game that's ridiculous. He's Iron Man player, over fifty-six snaps a game this last season. Uh his measurables across the board are just outstanding. Great explosiveness characteristics. Uh, you know, runs the forty decently. Uh he will not be moving to Sam linebacker. He's got a four seventy four forty. Um, what could tell you that he might be able to do some of these things is he, he has that three cone that legitimately is like a defensive back, maybe not your slot corner, but 
your outside corners yeah. would, would, generally speaking, love to have a 673. Maybe you want your slot corner to be 658. But, you know, edge rusher at 673 is just an unreal physical composite for the guy. So it's really only that arm length that's the, that's the big negative. I do actually think he could probably run with a tight end if you wanted to use him that way. I just think it's a waste. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're better off having him at rush and he can, he can create much more havoc, you know, do, doing uh, damage against your, against the other team's left tackle usually and, and uh, try to figure out how to, how to, uh, you, you know, break down the line integrity there. Uh, he's extremely polished as a pass rusher right now. He has a lot of different things he do. He does. Some of that may be to make up for that arm length. It's it's the only other mild concern I would have about the guy. That that he he, he doesn't have the kind of upside that your number one guy and my number two guy has um, in, ter- in terms of where he might end up going. But I, I uh, very high floor player. He's already there. He'd jump right in. He'd be a great player. And we can just keep dreaming because there's no way he's yeah. falling to the Ravens at 14. So, yeah, that's, I mean, he's pretty much a lock to go top three. I, I think he's, you know, strongly considered to be the choice for number one overall. Um, yeah. I, I think you know he's worth it. He's he's a really high end, I think, blue chip prospect. That that one caveat being his arm length. I think um, I think he's athletic enough, and I think he has you know the agility that he can he can still threaten offensive tackles in the NFL. There might be some players and some, and some, you know, reps that it, it shows. Um, but I, I think he's going to be able to manage to get by. All right. Outstanding. We got one player left to discuss between us. He's, he happens to be my number two guy and your number one guy, I guess, but go ahead. You had a number one. You yeah. talk about him first. Yeah. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Um, he, to me, he's not just the best, edge player he's the best player in this in this class i think he is um just someone who um you know i think we've heard you know ravens coaches use the term game record before i i put him in that level especially i mean at least at the college level um he is someone you i think you have to account for on, on at all times he's um, he's versatile, you know, he'll line up on either side. Um, he line up in a three point stance and a two point stance. Um, he can drop into coverage. He can, I think he's a better run defender than he's given credit for. Um, it, it's not something that is as flashy, but you know, he's a very disruptive run defender. Um, he's just someone who's, I think giving hundred percent effort, um, you know, all the time. I, you know, some people have, there's some knocks on him, like n- not loving the game and, and not, and kind of like taking plays off. I, I don't see the taking plays off, you know, the, the not loving the game. That's something that it's not for me to decide, but when he's on the football field, I see someone who is, is just incredibly talented, you know, explosive off the ball, incredible bend. He's a very good use of hands. Um, he has counters. I mean, he, he's, he is, an NFL-ready pass rusher to basically be a guy who gives you d- double-digit sacks right out the gate, um, you know, potential future all-pro, pro-bowl caliber, in, in my estimation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, you know, most of what you're saying. I, I, the length uh, he has is okay yeah. for the position. Uh, he makes up for whatever length deficiency he has. And it's really more of a, he's a kind of an average length guy at 33 and an eighth. Uh, but he makes up for it with a very big first step. And so he often wins hand placement despite not having, you know, the really outstanding length of some of the other guys in this class that we've talked about already. Uh, I think he's got all the quickness you would want. And we mentioned it uh, as well with one of the others earlier, but for as 
as a two-gap stunt guy. Uh, he's, he certainly, you know, got that quickness. Did not see a three-cone on the guy, by the way. If you can look real quickly for me and find a three-cone on the guy, I'd love to hear it. Don't I, think I never, he did it. a three-cone. Okay. So, unfortunately, that is something It's kind of a kind of something to, to, to be concerned about. That lateral movement is important. Um, he, he gets low around the edge extremely well, and that's what we're really talking about when we talk bend. He, he, he gets his shoulder under that outside tackle's arm, uh, and the QB was going down. I mean, it was just a, it was it was just that easy. I, he he almost does it in the way you'd see much shorter players do it. Like when, when I think about that, I think about um, Harrison at Pittsburgh. Mm. Why, why can I not James remember Harrison. his first name? James Harrison at, at Pittsburgh uh, as being a guy who who you know at six feet even could get there. Well, you know, Thibodeau's six four and still has that characteristic that he can get under. Uh, it, you, you you really cannot consistently block the guy 12 to 6 if you're a tackle. So he may well end up on the Sam side, uh, and, and he's he's a guy that quarterbacks are going to lose track of, and there will be motor opportunities for him to make plays late on. But the other thing is it's, just, it's, it's very hard to block the guy 12 to 6. His bend is too good. He leans into that tackle too well. He gets too low against that tackle. And, you know, when they when they, when a right tackle uh, who often has the slower feet will try and block a guy uh, as his bailout move by pushing him south of the pocket or pushing him to the back pylon of the pocket, as you, you've heard me to re- refer to it on the show, they, they just were not consistently able to do with that. And that's what that's really the thing I love most about watching his tape. Uh, I don't think he's at a good place yet, which is a good ceiling property. For, for Thibodeau in terms of uh, what he does with a combination move. He, he really doesn't have one that he regularly tries. He, he tries to use uh, that outside dip a lot. Um, any first move this guy makes with his athleticism is going to be too much for a tackle. So any counter off that first move, just go ahead and try that occasionally, and it'll usually work. Okay? So, so if he goes outside in, develops a spin move, develops a euro step for that inside move, it will be very effective uh, as an addition to his arsenal. So I think that's something he has to look forward to in terms of growth, where I, I don't see that with Hutchinson as being there's, yeah. there's some obvious move that, that he can grow with. Um, uh, what else do I want to say? He's, he's, he's one of the really exciting players again. And, you know, him and Trayvon Walker and, and some other guys in this edge group, it's just going to be a hell of a lot of fun on Thursday the 28th <laughs> to see – where these guys drop to, and if there's a hope, they'll drop to 14 because we're probably going to be looking at 10 and then maybe seven guys that we'd be really thrilled about the Ravens getting at number 14. And it might be one of the top five guys that ends up dropping into the Ravens' price range at 14 in this draft. Yeah, yeah. And so real quick, um, he did actually run a three-cone on his pro day. It was a 7.23, so not ideal. Um, You know, that that's that's worse than I would have expected. Um, you know, watching him on tape. You know, you you mentioned you know the ability to to threaten with speed off the edge and and then you know kind of come inside. I feel like I did see him do that a little bit, and it wasn't something that was a, a big part of his pass rush. But I felt like you know that is something that he he used at times. Um, I I feel like he has that. Um, that footwork I was talking a little bit about with Abikati, I see that even more with Thibodeau. He, he knows how to, you know, kind of do almost like the Euro step you talk about in basketball where he like faint one direction and, and then mm-hmm. have the, you know, the burst and the athleticism and the, and the speed to kind of 
go across the face of the tackle and and win the other way. Um, so you know that three cone is is a little lower than I would have expected, but I, I feel like on tape he looks a little bit more explosive than that, or a little more agile too. Um, and, and you mentioned the, you know will one of these players fall to fourteen um, out of the top five that we talked about? I think Epicades is the only one who will definitely be there. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but, you know, there has been some chatter about Thibodeau slipping a little bit. Um, and to me, if he falls to like the eight to 10 range, I would consider trading up to draft him because I think he is a player that would be a real immediate impact game changer for the Ravens in their defensive front. I don't think you have to give away too much to move up you know, four spots. Um, it's, right. I, I know you don't like that idea. I can tell. Right, it's probably two fourth round picks. But the Ravens have five of them. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes to get a player of his caliber, I, I would, I would do that. Like I said, I think he's the best player in the draft. That's why I would consider that. Um, I don't think any of these other players I would trade up for. Um, i in most instances, I would rather trade back and, and try to get more draft capital, um, try and get as many players out of the top, you know, 100, 120 picks in this class as possible, because I think it is a deep class. Um, but I, I just have, I, I think Thibodeau is, is a unique player and he can really um, do some things right away that most of these other players are, are not going to be able to do. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the kind of player you do it for. So we, I, I don't, I wouldn't really have a problem. It would mean the Ravens really love him if they moved up from fourteen to nine or ten or eleven even to get him because they'd have to, they'd have to give up a lot. And you know, like we mentioned, the Ravens have a lot of needs, and ten picks is really not enough. Uh, they've lost a ton of free agents. You know, it's a, it's a really atypical Ravens year because they've lost a ton of free agents and they've signed some, and yet the guys they've lost have not been as good as the guys they've signed. So they're going to end up probably with no comp picks out of the deal. Yeah, uh, or pretty close to it, um, and 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 what that means is they don't have anything going in next year other than their base eight. Sorry, excuse me, their base seven picks. So they got to really think also about resetting their draft into twenty twenty three, which which would mean you know maybe if they trade a four for a, a later four and a five the next year or a six the next year, they're going to have to consider trades like that. Um, they're certainly going to consider trades, I think, where they, they consider trading a four for a lower four plus a six this year uh, just because they need the players. And uh, it's a very deep draft this year. Got lots of big bodies coming back to the NFL, lots of small school guys. One of the most exciting things for me is uh, it is not the guys we've been talking about in these top ten lists, but it's where's DaCosta in terms of how he scouted the small school guys mm-hmm. for this draft. It's, a, it's an incredible two-for-one opportunity with COVID happening that, that almost none of those guys came out. You know, a few of the really big names did, but but Spencer Brown and a couple of those uh, uh, North Dakota guys uh, came out. But but other than that, you know, you, you, you really have most of the guys are uh, are still there coming out a, after an extra year. And there's a, so much talent there. You know, it exists. We just, we just don't necessarily know who it is. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how DaCosta handles those, those five uh, fourth round picks, because I do think this is a deep class. Um, I think the Ravens probably could use, like you said, I mean, I don't know about 13 players, but I think 10 players, 10, 10 rookies could 
easily, you know, have a home on, on this team. Um, there is still some time to, to get a couple of veterans. I think you mentioned Justin Houston. I think there's still a chance Clay's Campbell comes back for instance. Um, it's, but th- those are also areas where the Ravens need, young bodies especially on defense yeah. you know i think you could add four or five six players in the front seven you could add two corners easily maybe three corners like the corner mm-hmm. back room right now is is empty um Crickets. it's it's troubling um and then offense you can you know use a couple of players too running back tight end you could use another wide receiver potentially so there, there's a lot of places where the ravens could could use a, an infusion of young talent um and and, and just getting back to Thibodeau real quick, if 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 you have him rated like I do as a as the best player in the class, and he falls to within a, a, a an agreeable amount of draft capital to move up for, and maybe it's a maybe it's a pick from next year's draft. I I don't know. Maybe you trade a twenty twenty three third round pick and uh and a fourth from this year. I don't is it, I don't know how you, how you value those. It's probably about the same as a fourth year a fourth round for this year. But um, that's something I would consider doing. I think you have him there at edge and your front seven is transformed. Um, you get, especially if you get a young defensive tackle too. Um, I think then you're, you're really cooking with gas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly possible. And there are places, uh, there are position groups, particularly running back uh, would be one of them. I guess a linebacker would be another where the Ravens could pick up players as in UDFAs yep. from the UDFA class that, that would really help. Um, that that would be to me, and also an ex- you know this better be a year where the Ravens have a couple of UDFA's make the roster is all I can say because they're very short on total players. Defensive line is also a place where the Ravens have had good pickups in the past. Yep. So uh, you know we're just buying back Michael Pierce, who was a you know a, a UDFA originally with the Ravens. So some good opportunities there. Uh, tell me who you who were your honorable honorable mention players. So a couple of players, real quick. Um, Sam Williams out of Ole Miss is someone who I thought was really intriguing from just like a size, athleticism combination. There's maybe some off the field concerns that might take him off the Ravens board. Hard to say for sure. They'll have to do their due diligence there. But um, just in terms of, you know, I think he's in the 260s. He ran a really good 40, very explosive. Um, I, I think he's a very raw player. Um, he doesn't have a lot of experience playing the position. But um, just in terms of the athletic upside, he had a lot of production in this past year. Um, he's someone who could be intri- intriguing and, you know, maybe like around four, round four type mm-hmm. of, of player. Um, and one other guy I would mention is from a small school, like you were mentioning, um, D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky. Um, really intriguing kind of speed rusher, um, very quick off the edge, kind of um, you know linear, um, n- not the biggest body, but um, productive. Um, he had, I think, 34 sacks in his career. I think it's a five-year career, but um, still pretty impressive even from a small school um someone that i think could come in and and be like a a situational pass rusher right away and you can get him probably you know mid rounds as well those are those are interesting choices because i think they may actually fall into the ravens fourth round price range and you know i hope the ravens don't reach on fourth round picks the way they reached on fifths last year uh it was that was that was just embarrassing to watch 
frankly. It was just, it was really bad uh, with some of the picks they made late in that draft. I hope they're willing to trade down. They may say there's no trading partner, so that's a, that's a possibility. Think about resetting your draft, too, because usually there's people who are willing to do that, even if you don't, um, uh, you, you know, do it right away. But, uh, you know, it, it, the fullback pick in particularly bothered me more than anything else in the last draft, obviously. I've, I've got four guys. I think they, they all fit in kind of a mid-round in the fourth range if they're going to drop into the Ravens' price range. Uh, and I'll just go through them quickly. A lot of them are known to people, so I won't go into them in any depth. Kingsley and Agbaray of South Carolina. Uh, Cameron Thomas, who a lot of yep. people have higher. A lot of people think he might be a second-round pick um, out of San Diego State. I think he needs to drop into the Ravens' price range. I think it's probably a four, not a three. Mm-hmm. The only way I see the Ravens drafting him with a three is if they get no pass rusher. So they draft something like cornerback offensive tackle or the other way around in those first two rounds. Maybe maybe a player like Cam Thomas comes on their, on their uh, uh, radar screen in that third round. DeMarvin Leal is a guy, I think, no higher than a four. Um, other people are going to say he might be higher than that. And uh, my Jai Sanders, a, a name that comes up yeah. because he played at Cincinnati, obviously played some postseason ball. Another guy I, I, I kind of like. He's limited in, in, in some ways, but another guy who could help the Ravens and, and maybe could even help the Ravens right off the bat. So uh, there's four names that, that would be coming a little later in the draft. I'm more excited to see who is it from Ferris State that uh, they like Grand Valley. You know, yeah. who, who, who does DaCosta like from these schools that uh, uh, that might be a great small school pass rusher in the in the uh, fourth round or even later if they do some trading down? Yeah, I, I think that there's probably going to be players, um, like you said, because of COVID, you know, players have stuck around in college. They have an extra year. Um, they didn't come out. So there's, there's going to be an abundance of players. And even if they're not drafted, UDFAs abound. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the players you, you mentioned, I think, you know, are, are good options in, in the mid rounds as well. Um, Cameron Thomas is definitely, I think someone maybe look at in the third round. If you don't pick someone earlier, he has, you know, pretty decent athleticism. He has good production. Um, one, one other name I would mention um, is Dominique Robinson. Um, another small school player, I think university of Miami, Ohio, um, he was a wide receiver, he got tra- transitioned to defensive end. He was kind of like a situational pass rusher for them, but really impressive size. I think he's like 6'5", like 260, very um, good numbers from like uh, just, you know, general af- athletic traits. So he's someone who would be a complete like developmental prospect. But, you know, just from like the size, speed, you know, explosiveness, ability, he's someone that you, you might want to consider in like the, in the fifth, late fourth, fifth round as well. Okay, and that's an interesting one. Uh, that's uh, uh, same conference as Central Michigan, right? So it's a group of five conference from the, from the MAC. So uh, I, yeah, you, you certainly see players come from there. His competition, I just want to point out, his competition level hasn't been terrible. It's been just you know one level lower, not an FCS yeah. level. Uh, you know, at that. Uh, outstanding. Uh, it's so much fun having you on, Gabe. Thanks for coming on again. Tell folks where they can find your work, first of all. And I apologize for not getting your Twitter handle up on the front of the show. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, I'm, you know, pretty active on Twitter. I talk about, you know, all the news that comes out. Um, we just signed Josh Bynes today. So I think that's a, that's a positive move, I think, for the Ravens. Um, they yeah, very exciting. That linebacker. So I think Ken and I are both big fans of, of Bynes. He's, he's helped out the linebacker room a lot. The past two times he's been re-signed mid-year. Hopefully, you know, this time at the beginning of the season, he'll be around. Um, so that's exciting. Um, I, you know, uh, 
I co-host a podcast um, on a Film Study Baltimore website called The Situation Room um, with my uh, friend Jordan Coe. Um, you know, we haven't done much in the off season because Jordan likes to talk about things that actually happen the way he's, he says it. Um, so we'll probably do something after the draft um, just to kind of like talk about, you know, how the roster looks post-draft and, and see if there's any moves that still need to be made. Um, but after each game, we'll, you know, we'll be breaking down the film and, and looking at you know, some of the interesting plays that happened, some of the things that really impacted the game. Um, and it's just a kind of a, a fun conversation, kind of more X and O's, I would say, than, than anything else. But um, it's, 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 a, it's a good podcast, I think, if you're interested in, in looking at in depth into like some of the, the details of how the games are happening. Yeah. Highly recommended by the way. Uh, if, if you're not listening to that one, uh, by the way, also, also listen to film study, but, but definitely listen to, uh, uh, Gabe and Jordan. They do a great show and, uh, Gabe and Jordan are probably two of the four or five most common guests on film study, talk offense and defense. So, you know, I respect them a lot to, to have them on all the time like that. And very, cool to have you guys on our platform we really appreciate that and uh and uh love having you on uh other folks out there if you're listening to this and you're thinking i'd like to talk draft with ken or uh, i'd like to be on a show and talk about some of my ideas love to have you in particular if you have anything about overarching draft strategies that's going to get a priority over the next couple of weeks love to hear from you if you want to say why position one or position two in particular uh, is more important, that's the kind of stuff that, 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 that really goes well. Or how would the Ravens use a player? How do they need to transition to the roster, even in an individual positional group? That's fine as well. But we're looking for, for a, a high-level thought on that. And uh, send me uh, a DM on Twitter. They're open. I'd love to hear from you, of course. And we'll have you on real quick. I promise you a real, real quick response on that. Uh, Gabe, thanks again for coming on. Of course, Ken. I always love coming on your podcast. Um, hope you know, see everyone soon with the, with the draft draft room um, live feed, and you know we'll be there to break down the Ravens pick. Probably just one pick. We never know. Um, and and you know, it, you know, as every pick goes off the board, we'll have something to say how how it impacts the Ravens, how it impacts the the NFL, the AFC division, etc. So it'll be it'll be a good time. Yeah, that's you know that's been so much fun to do that show the last couple of years. It's uh, to, to have you guys to talk about the draft with. It's just like we're all sitting around watching the watching on TV together because that's pretty much what we're doing on Zoom. We won't tip any picks ahead. That's a big thing for us. So we'll watch one particular agreed upon feed. Josh is watching behind the scenes to try and get the tape ready for when that pick is actually announced officially. So he has some inside sources that he can look at. But uh, great night of watching football with just a friendly group, and you get to ask questions and whatnot. So it's a lot of fun. Gabe, thanks again. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.